Hi, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum, and welcome to McCollum Wellness Radio. Now more than ever, our country needs to learn how to take care of our own health, and it's my mission to empower you on that journey. Please join me each week as I cover these topics and interview experts throughout the field to bring you the answers you need to reach your maximum health potential. Thank you and enjoy the show. And uh, I'm very happy to be here, Dr. Duncan McCollum, with uh, Stepping In Radio, and I have this amazing guest today, uh, Drew Manning, and maybe uh, some of you have heard of him, but you will by the time the show's over. Drew is, uh, has really led the way in, in in healthcare in a certain way. And you know what I want to say, Drew, is I was thinking about this. We met a few months ago in Nashville and um, we were at a, a conference called Live It to Lead It. And there were a lot of really amazing healthcare people there sharing what, you know, what we're learning at the top end of the of health. There were so many people from the from the cancer groups and uh, alternative camp, cancer groups around, and everybody was talking about the same thing. They're talking about the ketogenic diet. They're talking about intermittent fasting. And uh, one thing that really um, stuck out to me, can you hear me okay? Yeah. One thing that really struck me was, you know, all of us talk about pain to purpose. And when you got up and talked to our small group, you said, you know, I grew up with nine brothers. I was always fit. So I couldn't understand why my people that I worked with couldn't get skinny or get fit. So you actually had to create your own pain in order to figure that out. So why don't you uh, let the crowd know who you are and, and kind of why, where you got where you are, and then we'll go from there. I played football, I wrestled my whole entire life. I never once struggled with my weight. And so for me, uh, when I started training clients, most of them had been overweight their entire life, right? Um, they, I, I never knew what it was like to be overweight, but here I was trying to help people who were overweight the majority of their lives. So I was trying to think of how I could better connect with them. And this idea kind of popped up in my head, <laughs> you know, of, of uh, you know, getting found. But actually do that. You know, who would actually do that? Um, I felt like it was something I was being called to do. You know, it felt like it was something that um, I needed to do to gain a better understanding of what it's like to be overweight for the first time in my life. Yeah, we're having a little bit of a technical problem. Let me see. Are we hearing him through the telephone? No, we're not. Okay. He should probably go through the telephone. For some reason, you're not coming in on the telephone. Okay, now talk, try talking now. <laughs> Can you hear me now? Yeah, okay. Sorry, Drew. Uh, okay, so should we start from the beginning? <laughs> yeah, let's start from the beginning. You know, and I got to just say what I was telling you, how fun it is being in this radio show. I've been doing this for a year and a half, and being in my 60s, this technologically thing is just driving me crazy. <laughs> and I, I work every day to learn something. But So here we are with Drew Manning, the author of the book, Fit to Fat to Fit, and, uh, you know, he has his own story. So why don't you tell us about yourself, um, about your two books, and uh, we'll go from there. Yeah, so this all started back in 2011 uh, where I had this idea as a trainer to gain weight on purpose. And the reason behind that was I felt like there was a disconnect between me and my clients. Here I was, someone who grew up their entire life in shape, trying to help people who grew up their entire life out of shape. And there was an obvious disconnect, and I couldn't understand why it was so hard for them just to do what I was asking them to do, you know, here's your meal plans, here's your workouts, you take your supplements and boom, you'll see results if you just followed the plan. And it seems so easy in my mind, but for them, they struggled. It was really hard. They, you know, uh, made up excuses as, as to why they didn't go to the gym or why they didn't follow the meal plan correctly. And so I'd get frustrated. And so I was thinking of ideas of how I could have a better connection for whatever reason. The idea of getting fat on purpose, I know it sounds crazy, <laughs> it entered my mind and it made sense. It felt like something I needed to do. And so what I decided to do was for six months, I stopped exercising. I ate a standard American diet, and we'll talk about what those foods are. <laughs> Ended up gaining 75 pounds in six months. It was one of the hardest things I've ever done, the most humbling things I've ever done. But it taught me a lot, changed my perspective, 
I was ver- and and you know um, humbled me in a way so that I could better relate to people uh, that I was trying to help after doing this journey. Yeah, that's that's amazing. And you know, obviously, now was that you're in Utah now? But where were you living when when you did this? That was I, I was actually in Utah at the time. Okay. And it was like just a little planned thing you decided to do, and all of a sudden the news media caught a hold of it, and it became a big a big thing. Yeah, I had no intentions of of any of this happening. I didn't have any marketing strategy or a media connection. I just I kind of you know started my own path. I started my own website, started my own YouTube channel, and before you know it, I was on the Tonight Show with Jay Leno, and then Dr. Oz, and then Good Morning America, and all these other TV shows. That went it totally went viral. You without know, me intending that to happen. Yeah, and you know what's amazing is I've been a, in practice for 30 years. I've been working with people. I'm a chiropractor by trade, but I've been always working in the nutritional field. And we've seen so many things come and go along the way. Um, the newest trend, the newest diet, the newest this and that. And, you know, people jump on them. They get excited about it. But then, you know, a month or, so, or maybe a few months later, it stops working for them. And um, I think I told you earlier that we have had three groups go through this, what's called a stenomic um, intermittent fasting ketogenic diet that Dr. Dan Pompa uh, put together for us. And we've had this amazing results by having people go on the ketogenic diet, do intermittent fasting, which I believe you are doing now Mm -hmm. too, right? Yeah. And... um, Every one of them says it's not hard. It's a lifestyle change. So how do you differentiate the diet um, fad type thing to a lifestyle change? And that's where, you know, the biggest lesson I took away from fit to fat to fit was how much of transformation is mental and emotional. So here's the thing. You can give someone the best program to follow, the best meal plan, the best workout, the best, you know, whatever it is. For them, it's their perception of what that is, right? And this is what I think needs to change in the health and fitness industry is our perception of what health and fitness is. So here in America, we're obsessed with the quickest way to lose the most amount of weight in the shortest amount of time with the least amount of effort. And that's why people fall off the wagon after a month because it gets hard, right? They get stuck. Their body adjusts and adapts to what they're doing, and then the progress slows down. And they think, well, I'm not losing 10 pounds a week anymore. This isn't worth the effort. I'm going to go back to eating you know, pizza and bagels and donuts because <laughs> that's, you know, that's more comfort food. And so it's their perception of health and fitness that needs to change. And, and I think the cool thing about the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting is it's, it's one of many methods. It works great, but I think it's, it, it's, um, there, people enjoy the journey so much more. So if you give someone a normal low calorie diet, right there, people are going to feel miserable. They can grind it out for a good 30 days. But after a while, they're going to feel miserable. With the ketogenic diet and intermittent fasting, uh, people enjoy the ride so much more. They're not hangry. They're not starving. The food tastes amazing. They're satiated. Um, and, and that's why people are able to stick to it long term, in my opinion, versus a traditional low-calorie you know, boring food diet. <laughs> yeah, no, I totally understand. And the the neat thing about this is you get to eat the foods you like. You're just cutting out the foods that your um, body's addicted to. I have a yeah. book, I'm an author. I have four books that I've written that are all historical fiction, but I'm working on one book that's called The Story of My Two Brains and Other Related Organs, hmm. told by an old, uh, uh, let's see, an old hitchhiker's guide to better health because I'm back in, from the 60s. And, you know, back in, in my era, we, we uh, challenged everything. You know, I grew up in Berkeley, for crying out loud, when all that <laughs> stuff was going on. And we challenged everything. And, and as it turns out, the, the main group of people that I work with um, are my age group. They're in their late yeah. 50s to even up into their 70s, 80s. And my oldest patient who's done keto is 98 years old. She's wow. doing fantastic <laughs> on no drugs and just doing amazing. But mm. one thing that I've realized is that even though we were all uh, fighting um, everything, you know, questioning everything back mm-hmm. then, we slowly got our blinders on and we went down this path to what I call traditional... Um, sickness care. And when did we stop questioning what's going on? I mean, we're rated 50th in the world for health. You know, we take 50% of all the drugs in the world and we're only 4% of the population. So, you know, um, Griffin, are you ready to play that? 
I want, I'm going to play a little clip from my group, the, the health rebels that I showed you here, just to hear what they're all about. Go ahead, Griffin. So that's a group of guys, the youngest is probably 50, but every single one of these people have lost 10, 15, 25 pounds since January, and they're all loving it, and it's because yeah. of the ketogenic diet, but we're questioning authority now, you know, we're questioning yeah. that drug thing, and you know, that's why I call my group health rebels, because you got to be a rebel. <laughs> Yeah, I think it's perfectly fitting into what you guys are doing because we've been so ingrained with this mentality of, you know, um, you know, uh, low fat is unhealthy for you, right? And fat's going to kill you. And we all adopted the food pyramid, and these low calorie, uh, you know, low fat foods started coming about. Well, guess how they made it taste good? Lots of sugar. And so we've been taught that for a long period of time. I remember, I remember, you know, growing up in the '80s. For me, our generation was the video game era, and so we would have. Uh, cereal for breakfast every single morning. <laughs> yeah. And the commercials we saw were like frosted flakes with a big bowl of cereal, a piece of toast, and a glass of orange juice. And that's what we were taught as the typical American breakfast. So actually, those are the types of foods that I ate during my six-month fit-to-fat phase, you know, um, it, during the six months of me gaining the weight. The foods that I ate the, the majority of the time were things like white bread, white pasta, juices, granola bars, sugary cereals like Cinnamon Toast Crunch and Captain Crunch and all these flavors of cereal that, you know, kids love because it tastes amazing and it's convenient, right? The food is very convenient and it's affordable. It's cheap, mm -hmm. right? That's the problem with our society is we set it up backwards where that food is cheaper and less expensive than real whole food. Yeah. And so people think, well, you know, it's more expensive to eat healthy food. I'm going to eat this stuff that's way cheaper. I can feed my whole family, right? But we're a, we're a country that is, um, you know, we're, we... Um, you were undernourished, but we're, you know, we're, we eat too many calories. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, as I go through these uh, workshops with people over and over again, it finally became very easy to explain. You know, if you just have a blood vessel and you got sugar going through the blood vessel, well, we know if you got too much sugar or too little sugar, you're going to be in trouble and die. Yeah. So the medical profession wants to keep that blood sugar level you know, even so they, you know, watch it. And then if that gets too high, they give you something called insulin to push mm -hmm. it out of the bloodstream and, and it all goes into the fat cells, but they never <laughs> stop the cascade of food that you're eating going into the body. It's like you're bailing out a boat, but you're not looking where the leak is. And yeah. this is why we're so fat. This is why we're so unhealthy. And all of this causes chronic inflammation in the body, which we know causes chronic mm -hmm. disease. So, you know, it's just so amazing when we get people to turn this around. Yeah, and it's interesting because the problem that, that I see is, is when I did fit to, fit to Fit and I gained that weight and I ate those foods, people, hundreds of people would email me every single day watching the foods that I ate. These are typical American foods that probably 90% of the population eats on a regular basis, but it's marketed to them as quote-unquote health food sometimes, you know? Right. Low-fat or all-natural or fortified with vitamin A and vitamin D, whole grains, all these things that, you know, we've fallen into this trap of, of these marketing techniques of, hey, that's actually healthy because I saw a commercial about it. And it's pretty affordable. And I can buy 10 for 10 with this coupon, <laughs> you know, of these foods. And so we set it up backwards. And the interesting thing that I learned firsthand was eating these foods every single day. You, I mean, it creates this vicious cycle. You get the spike in blood sugar level. You feel amazing for a second. And then with that spike comes a big crash. And with that crash, you feel miserable, awful. It's like just like in any other drug where you need that high again, and you so you want more sugar, you want more uh, processed carbohydrates, you know. And we have so many options here in America. It's it's you know it's no wonder why it's so hard for people to you know make a shift, make a change because they've become so addicted and to those hypo uh, hyper palatable foods that are are you know among us. Yeah, you know, and I, I kind of tell the patients, it's not really you, it's your microbiome. It's those bugs yep. in your gut. Blame it on them because you know you shouldn't be having that ice cream and you know you shouldn't be eating that, you know, bagel with cream cheese again. But yeah. And I just say these microbiome 
my microbiome are going, feed me, feed me, you know, and it gets up, they communicate to the microbiome in your brain that say eat. And we know yeah. so much about the microbiome now. It's so amazing. And for those of you out there, those are the bugs in your gut. You got a hundred trillion of them. Besides, they're covering every part of your body and nothing gets into your body without going through one of those guys. So we're learning to work with them. <laughs> yeah, we, uh, it's interesting. We're more bacteria than our human. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> Which is crazy, right? You know what's really crazy to me is I think about the first guy that took a microscope and made a microscope and looked at a drop of water and he saw yeah. something wiggling in there. He goes, oh my <laughs> God. And he's, we've been fighting them forever. We're trying to destroy them. We never will. You know, yeah. thank God because they're what keeps us alive. Yeah, that's so interesting. It's, it's about you know, looking at things from a different perspective, a lot of people don't see it from that perspective. And I think the problem, too, is some people look at food as, you know, how is this going to affect my outward appearance versus how is this? Most people don't don't think of food like how is this going to affect my microbiome? How is this going to affect my hormones? How is this going to affect my cells? We don't look at food that way. We look at food as, OK, this tastes good. And when I eat it, you know, like ice cream or, or pizza, it's going to make me gain fat. Right. But if I eat the salad and water, you know, I know I'm, I'll probably lose weight if I eat these foods. That's how we, that's our relationship with food nowadays is how is this going to affect my outward appearance? Right. You know, when there's so much more going on, on the inside of the body. I'm going to, I'm going to hold up this picture out of your book. This is your book, The Complete Keto. This was yeah. your journey. And <laughs> um, you talked about that journey. You talked about what it was like, what people thought about you when you were out in the crowd buying this food in your cart, the change. And this book has so much to do with, and this book is called Complete Keto. And, and you really address the mental aspect of what people go through in life with how, and so can you just talk about that for a minute? Yeah. And so this all stemmed from my fit to fat to fit journey, right? And my first book, Fit to Fat to Fit, which became a New York Times bestseller, I kind of go into the lessons that I learned on the mental and emotional side uh, when it comes to transformation. Um, and this is one thing that I've uh, come to discover after doing this, and I tie it into my new book, Complete Keto, is that, you know, our perception of health and fitness is that it's, it needs to be about the physical stuff, you know, calories in, calories out, and we focus on that, and that's how we physically transform but there's so much more to it than that. If that was, if if everyone, if that was easy for everyone to do, we would all be skinny and fit people. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. You know? People understand what they need to do. They know they need to eat healthy and exercise. For me, it's more so people struggle on the mental and emotional side because there's such a strong emotional attachment to food um, that's hard for people to let go of. Um, and it's just as strong of addiction as it is to certain drugs. But the problem is that food is is legal. We need it to survive. You know, it's everywhere we go. It's part of our everyday ritual. It's part of, you know, uh, you know, holidays and birthdays and, um, you know, all kinds of things that we make up reasons to eat more and more food. And so breaking that habit of, of help, trying to help someone uh, change their lifestyle is way more about the mental and emotional journey that that person is about to embark on. And that's why they need to understand their mental and emotional challenges to overcome them because otherwise it's, it's just going to be another diet for them unless they understand that this needs to be a lifestyle change, which is, is where the battle is on the mental and emotional side versus just physical. Um, and so that's kind of what I try and help people with is give them the physical tools, right? The ketogenic diet, a 30-day program, meal plans, recipes, you know, hold their hand through that process on the physical side of transformation, but also helping them on the mental and emotional side so that it's more of a complete transformation instead of just another physical transformation that tends to not last too long in people. Uh, the problem that I see people have in the fitness industry is they focus so much on the results of that physical transformation. You know, uh, I want to lose 100 pounds. I want to be skinny. I want to have a six-pack. You know, we think that's what's going to bring us happiness. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when in reality, that shouldn't be the focus. The focus should be the healthy habits, the process to get there. And then the results take care of themselves over time. But when you place so much value on the results only, the problem that I see is that people either define themselves as a success or a failure you know, unless they get those results. So if they get those results, they're a success. But if they don't, they're a failure. They beat themselves up. They eat more food. And they fall into this vicious cycle of, re of repeating that pattern over and over again until they learn how to shift their perception of it and see it as a lifestyle change, which is where they're focusing on just the healthy habits and the process and the results are kind of like, you know, the cherry on top or the bonus at the end.
Yeah, and I, you know, I really think too, people have to give themselves a break because, you know, one thing we say in the, in when we're doing the fasting with my group, by the way, I want to put a, a plug out really quickly. We're doing our, our third workshop, um, Severino's Monday or Tuesday night, uh, May 14th at seven o'clock. We're going to kick off our next seven weeks dynamic intermittent fasting ketogenic workshop. And if you're interested in being part of it, um, you can call my office, McCollum Family Chiropractic, 831-459-9990, or simply on your cell phone, text uh, the words start fasting, um, all one word to 474747. That's start fasting, all one word to 474747. You'll be taken to my site. But the cool thing about this is exactly what you're talking about is having a group, having a support group. And I'll give you an example. And then, Drew, I want you to tell us what you're doing now in just a second about your group and how people can get a hold of you. Because I know you have an incredible network and people can get online and, and, you know, you have so much to offer. But I want to tell the story of one patient. He's um, 79 years old. And um, he'd been kind of quiet. He came in and he was doing the the seven-week workshop with us. His girlfriend had done it who did amazing. And he, uh, two nights or two weeks ago, he got up and he says, Hey, I want to tell my story. And we go, okay. So he says, well, I just went to my heart doctor at Stanford yesterday. Um, my previous blood sugar test was 235. T- yesterday it was 95. Mm-hmm. I'm no longer needing to take wow. insulin. Uh, he's on keto, he's on dialysis. He'd have to go to an office three times a week. He goes, they're going to let me do dialysis at home. I'm no, the biggest win I had, he said, is that I don't live for my next meal because I've been you know, choosing the right foods. And because of the ketogenic diet, we should really talk about how ketones affect the brain and, and how much cleaner they burn. But he just said, my life, this is, I'm loving this. And then last week, he got up and said, I went to my endocrinologist, my diabetes uh, doctor, that morning. And I saw him that afternoon for a chiropractic adjustment. He goes, you know what? My doctor, he asked what I was doing. And I told him, I'm seeing this guy and we're doing this. And the doctor said, keep doing it. I don't want to see it for a year. So <laughs> it was really cool to get that, you know, for the endocrinologist and to, to uh, appreciate it. But the funny thing is the cardiologist from, you know, one of the biggest universities in the country or world started lecturing him on the food pyramid, even though his blood sugar had gotten to normal range. And the food per- pyramid is primarily grains, right? Yeah. <laughs> How crazy is that? Are they trying to make us sick on purpose? I don't know. <laughs> I know it's it's so interesting to see what's you know what's happening in the mainstream you know uh, healthcare system of of hopefully there's things that are starting to change and you probably see this you know firsthand of doctors slowly starting to accept you know new data new science of hey the keto diet actually is helping people and maybe we were wrong that's the hard part when you get very smart very educated people who all thought one way for a long period of time and now we're starting to say hey maybe we had it wrong and people are starting to shift over to that, you know, ego gets in the way. And I see this a lot, you know, that people's ego, reputation, pride, getting in the way of admitting that maybe we had it wrong for a long period of time and maybe there's a new way of looking at it. But at the end of the day, if you care about people and wanting them to have better health, you know, that should be your goal, right? (laughs) As a doctor, that's my hope at least. So it's really cool to see that. And I think, you know, going back to what you're saying about this, this person that, saw these numbers I, I love hearing stories like that because sometimes you know in my my generation we make it all about weight loss right mm-hmm. we think the end-all be-all is being skinny and having a six-pack when in reality that doesn't equate to health right <laughs> so seeing these blood markers change is what's so remarkable and that's really what transformation is about right your version of healthy on your body is going to look different than my version of healthy on my body and that's what you know, my generation struggles with in my age group is because we think we're only healthy if we look a certain way. But when you're 60, 70, 80 years old, you know, you, you, you want to live, you just want to be healthy. You want to live a long life. And so these things mean more to you. So my goal is to bring that kind of thinking to the younger generation, you know, the 20 year old, 30 year old generation, so that when we are 70 or 80, you know, we're, we've got to figure it out. You know, we've got to figure it out by then. Yeah. You know, um, it's really interesting. Uh, you know, there's, um, 
a wellness mama, you know, Katie Wells talks a lot yeah. about the children and the family, the mothers are taking care of these kids and it's a generational thing. It's a legacy. A lot of my patients that are in their 60s, 70s and 80s, they're saying, <laughs> I need to teach my grandkids about this. You know, <laughs> yeah. I grew up with pixie sticks, you know, and, you know, <laughs> all that stuff. And it, it was, it was crazy. But, um, the funny thing that I see going on right now, I mean, most of my age group's parents are no longer around. There's some that still are, but yeah. these these uh, mothers in your age group, you know, in the 30s, 40s, and 50s, they're got aging parents. And if they don't get their parents on board with getting the toxins out of their body, getting the inflammation out of their body, you know, one out of two of us are going to die of cancer and one out of three Alzheimer's disease, 50% of us are diabetic or pre-diabetic. Nobody, what's going to happen to these older people my age in five, 10, 15 years, we don't have enough money to be taking care of ourselves. So that's what my message is. I want to get this out yeah. to my generation yeah. and your generation. Exactly. And, you know, it, it is hard um, because, like I mentioned before, with doctors and egos, it's the same thing with the older generation. For example, my parents have a tough time accepting this where I tell them to eat fat and eat salt. That seems so backwards for them, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I know understand. If they just did it, it, they would feel so much better, but they're so scared because they're like, well, let me talk to my doctor. And that's the problem is for so many generations or, you know, not generations, but decades, it was the doctor had all the knowledge, right? right. And we were like, well, we, you know, I don't know anything about that. So they're smart. I just got to listen to them. I take this pill. Okay. That's what they said to do. That's right. <laughs> you know? And so it's breaking that cycle. You know, my generation, hopefully we're empowering ourselves with this knowledge, you know, and now we have Dr. Google around. We can find out pretty much anything we want, mm -hmm. break that cycle, you know, to our kids. So that our kids are so much better off because I think about my two daughters that are nine and seven. They're light years ahead of where I was at their age, understanding macronutrients, proteins, fats, and carbs, and, you know, the names of vegetables and why we eat vegetables. And just like, you know, I'm passing on everything that I know to them at a younger age. And it's really cool to see how far they've, you know, how far ahead they are versus when I was their age. Yeah. You know, and you just reminded me something that I, I heard you talking to Dr. Pompa about, and that was when you decided to do this journey, when you decided to put on all the weight, you called everybody and everybody was in agreement except for... Your mom. My mom. <laughs> <laughs> she was going, yeah. don't do it, right? <laughs> yeah, and I think that's part of, you know, her role as a mom to pr protect me. But also, you know, she was scared from a health perspective of what this would do to me. But, you know, we have other siblings that are overweight, too. Um, and so mm. I was doing this as a learning experience. And, you know, to be totally honest with you, I know what I did with Fit to Fit was crazy and definitely risky. Which, by the way, I, we didn't mention this, but I did have a doctor monitor me throughout the journey right. uh, just to make sure I wasn't going to die. So we we're pulling blood work every month pretty much. And it got pretty scary, of course, towards my heaviest. What, what uh, happened with your blood sugar and like the um, cholesterol levels? What happened with blood pressure? Yeah, I don't, I don't recall all the numbers mm -hmm. off the top of my head. I have to go back and look. But everything was in the red within the first two or three months, actually, which was pretty scary. But wow. I, the numbers that do stick out were... Blood pressure was 167 over 113. Wow. Uh, pretty consistently in that yeah. range, which was scary. Um, and then my testosterone dropped to the low 200s, hmm. um, which is, you know, really low for a 31-year-old male. Yeah. <laughs> and anyways, um, but everything else was in the red. The interesting thing was as I transitioned back to fit, after, so what I did the first month back is I actually didn't do any exercise. I skipped exercise. I just changed my diet. Now, keto wasn't around back then as far as being very mainstream in 2011. Mm -hmm. um, and so I kind of did what was working for me before, and that was more of like a paleo-ish approach. Uh, six small meals a day, uh, you know, high protein. Um, you know, I would still, still, still say it was fairly low carb, like 100, maybe, you know, around 100 grams. Definitely not ketosis, but, you know, um, and then a moderate amount of fat. And that's kind of what I was eating uh, for for the first 30 days. Anyways, I went from 5,000 calories to 2,000 calories of that, wow. uh, that protocol. And all my blood work went back to normal within 30 days without any exercise. Right. And that's just eating real whole food. Right. And it would be interesting to see how this would compare if I did this with a ketogenic approach. I've, I've thought about <laughs> possibly doing it again. But then I, remember, <laughs> I just remember how hard it was <laughs> physically, mentally, emotionally, 
you got to uh, got to understand this journey was an emotional trip for me. It was so much harder than I thought it was, it was going to be. Yeah, and you know, you've talked about um, where you are now, what you're doing now, and we we could talk about your TV show, but talk about where people can find you. You know, wh- yeah, how can you help people now? Yeah, so if you just go to fit to fat to fit dot com, that's with the number two. So fit to fat to fit dot com. That's my website. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's the name of my first book. Uh, if you just Google fit to fat fit, my website, my book, uh, my podcast wall pop up. Uh, it's my social media handles as well. So Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I'm on all those. Uh, it's my YouTube handle as well. Uh, my second book is called Complete Keto, though. There it's we go. Backwards, There's but that's it. it. <laughs> <laughs> Complete Keto. You can get that at Amazon or Barnes and Noble, or even through my website, Fit to Fit to Fit, or just on social media, depending on what platform you use to follow people. And this came out in February, right? Yeah, just February of 2019. So it's it's doing really well. And I'm really proud of how it turned out, too. It turned out so fantastic, and we have so many good reviews on the book. Yeah, and you have, like, it's a, it's a 30-day uh, program. You've got meal plans mm-hmm. in there. You've got shopping lists in there. It's just really easy to follow. So people can, can take this and actually start to implement the program themselves. Yeah, exactly. I try and, you know, make it as simple as possible to mm-hmm. hold people's hand the first 30 days so they understand exactly what to eat every single day and what to do every single day. And then if you'll notice, um, you know, I sprinkle in the mental and emotional stuff, things like a gratitude list and positive affirmations, things like meditation, which has been shown to reduce blood pressure and reduce stress in people's lives. Uh, adding that in on top of the meal plans and the workouts and the mindset is what makes it, you know, complete keto or complete transformation. And so, uh, yeah, go check it out. Complete keto. You get the audible version is available as well, but the physical version, you'll get the recipes and the, the actual 30 day program. You know, um, that's awesome. One of the things that, uh, as we get people in and out of ketosis now, you know, you talked about it, Dr. Dan Pompa talked about it. You don't want to stay in ketosis forever. You got to move in and out of it. Um, Mm -hmm. it's just like your exercise. You move in and out of different exercises. You don't do the same thing all the time. The body loves to have a challenge. It loves change. How do you see that? I see that exactly how, how you just explained it. Um, and it goes, it carries over into our life as well, you know, and that mm-hmm. doing the same thing over and over again can get boring. Um, but I think from an evolutionary standpoint, our bodies were designed for a reason to run off of two different types of fuel. So metabolic flexibility really is what humans, you know, are great at versus just focusing on one fuel or the other. We can run off of one fuel, you know, ketones for the rest of our lives if we had to, right? Our bodies were designed that way. And then also our bodies, you know, can run off of glucose if, if that's what you wanted to. But it doesn't have to be that way. I like to use um, both fuels, mm-hmm. but for a purpose. You know, when I eat carbs, people think, okay, french fries and pizza and donuts and, and cereal. <laughs> if you're going to use carbohydrates, hopefully it's in the form of real food, whole food. Um, you know, I like p- uh, potatoes or sweet potatoes from time to time, some fruits every now and then. Um, and for me, that's where I get my carbohydrates from when I'm not in ketosis. But I love mixing it up and finding what works best for my body because I just I try to remind myself what what works for me today might not might not work for me in six months or what works for me a year ago might not work for me today. So uh, like the way I do ketosis now is totally different than the way I did when I first learned about it four years ago. Yeah. And, you know, what we really understand is looking at ancient cultures and ancient societies, you know, you were forced to change your diet. You need, you know, I always <laughs> say you, you've chased a mammoth for five weeks and you finally got it. Then you sat and ate mam- or mammoth meat. And then when that yeah. ran out, it was winter. So you ate your roots and your fat. And then by the time winter was done, there was nothing. So you starved. You did some fasting. <laughs> Spring came, you had some green stuff. And then so... The microbiome, the bugs in our gut, I, I consider there, I tell patients there's three types of microbiome. There's ones that digest protein, fat, and carbohydrates. So when yep. you move into a predominantly fat diet, you're going to, the, the fat microbiomes are going to do well, but the, the ones that digest protein and carbohydrates, they're going to die off. You're going to wipe out the, the weak ones. That's a term called autophagy, which, you know, Dr. Yushin Asumi you know, really got famous for in, in 2016. So when you change your different food groups, you wipe out the weak microbiome, the weak cells in our body, so your body can create stem cells and start to generate a really new, healthy, younger body, really. 
Yeah, and I think that's that's a great, um, you know, way to describe it. Uh, and I think that's great for people to understand how it works. Uh, the thing that I've noticed though with with nowadays where we are with ketosis is obviously it's not the same as back in the day. No one, uh, you know, cavemen weren't purposely doing ketosis to be, <laughs> hey, I'm not going to eat those berries. I'm doing keto. <laughs> Killing a mammoth. <laughs> versus, <laughs> versus nowadays, I mean, we have never known what it's like to go without food, right? You push a button on your phone, Uber Eats shows up, boom, there's food there. You go to the grocery store. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing. It's remarkable. But getting you know getting back to our roots of what it you know of, of what it should be for humans um we have to kind of set that stage up we have to force ourselves to do that so it's really important to get keto adapted first and foremost right that, that's, absolutely our generation has never really been in full ketosis because we've mm-hmm. always had access to food every single day so it's really important to get adapted and for some people that might be 30 60 90 days uh, you know it's different for each person but get adapted first so your body becomes efficient and adapts to that new fuel source mm-hmm. and then from there learn how to you know uh cycle in and out of ketosis and find what works best for you um you know i like the idea of of seasonally changing up your diet because that probably mimics closer to what it was like you know like you just described in the winter time probably more animal products you know in the springtime we had more produce uh, I like that idea. Yeah. And, um, you know, just for the people out there driving around listening to KSEO, this is I'm, this is Dr. Duncan McCollum, and I'm interviewing Drew Manning, the author of Fit to Fat to Fit, and his second book, Complete Keto. And we're talking about, the, you know, how unhealthy our country is and what we can do to get healthier. And it's so amazing if you just change the food you eat. I, there was one gentleman, he's... Uh, he was in my first fasting group, intermittent ketogenic fasting group. And the second week, he said, I was taking 40 ibuprofen a week for years. 40. And he's a construction wow. worker. And I, I, my eyes just bulged out. I mean, he, I'm surprised he was walking. And he goes, I'm, yeah. off, I'm off it completely, except for one day he did a feast day. And he thought he could eat whatever he wanted. So he ate a bunch of pancakes and he blew them up again. And he realized, and the whole group is learning from this, when you put the wrong foods in your body, inflammation happens almost immediately. Yeah, and I think that's the, our perception of, okay, I've been really strict for so long. Now it's time to, you know, reward myself for that and let me, you know, have all these, you know, super unhealthy carbohydrates versus, you know, if you stick with things like fruits or certain vegetables, I think you'll be better off and you won't feel so sick. <laughs> yeah. You know, if, if you're going to do a feast day, you know, do it with, with real whole food if you can. Well, I've, I've taken, there's been like almost 40, maybe 50 people gone through these two classes so far and everybody's awesome. excited. We're doing our next one on May 14th, but every one of them has said, I ate like one guy, he um, went over the, he was somewhere over the hill. We live in this beautiful place called Santa Cruz, right? And mm-hmm. he was over in San Jose, the Silicon Valley, and he ordered, he goes, I'm going to order a wrap. And instead of getting a lettuce wrap, it came in a tortilla wrap. And he yeah. went, okay, well, he ate the tortilla wrap, and he had been off all of this, and I'm sure it was filled with glyphosate and, you know, GMO, yeah. all that stuff. And we have this pretty treacherous mountain to drive over. And he goes, I almost fell asleep coming over the mountain because of that stuff. (laughs) Now, that being said, I mean, you know, I eat now and then I eat stuff that I want to eat. It's probably not good for me, but I don't eat it every day. You know, like we've we've learned since World War II to eat what we want, whenever we want, with whoever we want, as much as we want, you know, and, and it's killing us. Yeah. And, and I want to make a comment on, you know, the, cha- the, the, the ketones versus the glucose. Nobody in our country can burn ketones. The, the body doesn't know how to do it. And, yeah. <laughs> and, and it, like you said, it is a, it's a step-by-step procedure that, our, that Dr. Pompa's workshop walks people through to get them into ketosis. Some people get into it really easy. Some people don't. And, you know, that's why having a support group, you have a support group online. People can... Um, get on um, like audios and stuff from you as well, right? And you kind of walk them through that stuff? Yeah, so through my programs online, if you go through my programs, uh, you can be added to a private Facebook group where me and my coaches help hold your hand and guide you through the process. Uh, so, you you know, because I, I think it's really powerful what you're doing, walking people through this program, but in a group setting. Yeah. So people can ask questions. It's a safe place to share in your struggles and ask questions and get answers. 
but also, you know, motivate, inspire people as well. And also post about your failure sometimes or find out what's not working for you. And it's a safe place to do that versus like, Hey, I'm just going to wing it. I'm going to be healthy this year. It's, it's so much harder when you're trying to do it by yourself. So having a good support group to stay accountable to is really powerful. So the way I do it, and, you know, just with social media nowadays, this is one of the benefits of it. We could get people from all over the world in one group with one goal in mind. And, you know, we're here helping each other. And, and I have a few groups. Some of them are about 90,000 people, wow. a couple, uh, another one of 10,000. And, um, you know, we do very specific ones every now and then that we will we'll let you know about if you join our newsletter and uh, follow me on social media. I'll be posting about it. So, um, you know, I think that's one of the biggest things I learned for from doing fit to fit to fit is to help people on the mental and emotional side. They need some type of support system that gives them a balance of empathy and reminding them that they're worth it to keep fighting for their health, but also, you know, motivation and a kick in the butt every once in a while of saying, Hey, you can do hard things. You got this. And that's what the support system does. And it gives them someone to stay accountable to. And these are the things that are sometimes overlooked in the health and fitness industry because we want to focus so much on, you know, macros and calories and, and meal plans and workouts. And there's so much more to it than that. And so I'm glad to hear you're doing that as well. Yeah. You know, there's a story. I think you'll, you'll probably like this if you haven't heard it already. The story of two wolves. Have you ever heard this yeah. story? Yeah. And, and I'll tell it to the audience Go here ahead. now, you know, because of I'm Scottish, I'll say there was a very old Scottish um, chieftain, <laughs> right? That was yep. sitting up in uh, the middle of the fog in northern Scotland, and his grandson came up, and his grandson had all kinds of problems going on, and he couldn't figure out what he wanted to do, and he, you know, was having all these problems, and the grandfather said, well, son, you know, inside everybody there lives two wolves, and one wolf is always the, is great. The other wolf is evil, and these guys are constantly fighting, and the young lad thought for a minute, and he said, well, Grandpa, which wolf wins? And he goes, well, the one you feed the most. And I think mm -hmm. that that's really a story of understanding. You just have to keep feeding the good wolf. You have to really line yourself up with groups like yours or the group that I have going that are going to support you and, and help you in the rough times and answer questions for you and pick you up when you fall. And you pick them up when you fall. That's part of the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and that's what's so powerful. And I love that, that story, that analogy. Um, and I think it's very relatable to people out there because they recognize that. And it's just, a, it's just about you being more self-aware of when you're feeding that bad wolf and when you're feeding that good wolf and being more aware of that and being present in the moment. Because sometimes in our society, we just mindlessly eat or we mindlessly do things because out of habit or out of boredom or stress, whatever it is. Being aware of those things is really important to say, hey, okay, what am I doing here? I'm just sabotaging myself. I'm feeding this bad wolf because I'm eating my emotions right now. I'm stressed out at work, my kids, my ex-husband or ex-spouse, whatever the, the, the stress in your life is, it's so easy just to fall victim of, okay, how do I cope with this stress? Well, alcohol, food, drugs, sex, whatever it is, there's all these medicines available to us in our society. Being aware of that and recognizing that and saying, okay, I don't really need to do this. I know what this is doing to me. And just being aware. And uh, I think that's really important for people. So... Yeah. Yeah. You know, the, the, the two different um, serotonin and dopamine, right? Dopamine is for um, pleasure and serotonin drives happiness. And, you know, we get pleasure so quickly when we do things like you were describing, but realize yeah. that pleasure doesn't make you happy. It's just a short lived yeah. thing. And then the happiness comes from when you really look back at what you're doing or you've really created some amazing effects. You know, I just thought of something. Speaking of the two wolves, you had mentioned to me when we met before that those first two weeks when you went off all of the... Um, mm -hmm. cinnamon toast crunch cereal <laughs> and, and, and on to the, the vegetables and stuff. You said that was the hardest thing you did because of the taste and everything. Can you just tell people this so they understand there's a short period that you might have to go through? Yeah, and this was very surprising and very eye-opening for me because I remember I would have clients that would tell me, you know, Drew, I gave in, I had soda or I had some type of junk food that I wasn't supposed to have. And for me, before Fit, 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 I was like, what is wrong with you? It's so easy. You just don't do it. Like you just put it down. And then, and then here I was eating this way for six months. And then the first two weeks back to eating, you know, real whole food, vegetables, fruits, proteins, 
I the food did not taste nearly as good as I remember. My taste buds had adapted to that hyper palatable food, uh, cinnamon toast crunch and Mountain Dew and zingers and Twinkies and all these things that are super you know hyper palatable. And then to go to eat real food, my body was like, "What is this? This is disgusting." I felt awful. I had headaches. I was grumpy. I was moody. Um, I've never experienced that type of hell before. Getting off of a certain food, it was like my body was going through withdrawal symptoms. And I think that's what people experienced. It's it, when they when you try and give them a, you know a meal plan to follow, there these old demons come back and they're like, "Hey, what about cinnamon toast crunch or what about so a soda or whatever it is, whatever your vice is." You're going to have moments where your body's going to try and tempt you to go back into those old ways because those those pleasure uh, sensors in our brains they go they go like crazy when we you know give ourselves those types of foods and so it was really eye opening for me and very humbling. After two weeks, it did get better though. Uh, my body adjusted. The cravings became more manageable, and um, you know your body will adjust and it became easier over time. Um, and I think that's what, what's hard for people. It really opened up my eyes. Just ha- the the emotional connection to food was way more powerful than I ever imagined. It really is like getting someone off of drugs. Yeah. Um, and we we you know from an outside perspective, you know it. We know there's a true addiction to drugs. With food, we kind of like ah, uh, you know that we we brush it under the rug. Uh, we just think oh, just will power your way through it. But in reality, that's why so many people struggle <laughs> eating healthy is because their bodies you know, constantly fight back. And we, it, it's a lot more emotional than people think. Yeah, you know, what's really interesting. And, you know, I've been uh, on the ketogenic diet off and on for a couple of years now since I first uh, started working with Dr. Dan Pompa. And it's been amazing. And the thing that's really cool, and I tell my class this, and a lot of them start to notice it, you know, we used to be so afraid of getting hungry. Oh, I'm getting hungry. Oh, my God, the world's coming down. I'm starving to death. And then you look down, you yeah. can't see your feet, right? So yeah. you're not starving to death. But, um, you know, as, as amazing as I almost like the feeling of being somewhat hungry now. Yeah. I, it's like I kind of like that. It's like it puts me on my game. It kind of makes me, gives me that competitive, competitive edge more than being fat and lazy. And like I have to do feast days. And what we do, we do in the intermittent fasting, we do, there's a way to do it. You just don't stay on fasting the whole time or keto the whole time. You have to move in and out of it. But on those days I'm supposed to eat, if I eat something for breakfast, even if it's like eggs and, you know, whatever, I want to eat by 11 o'clock my my <laughs> brain is just triggered to get that next meal in and it's it's really wild and i start to get my body burns through that food because i must go out of burning my own ketones my own fat and it switches to the easier mechanism of burning what's in your stomach so that's, yeah. that's pretty amazing so in your mind we've got uh, just a few minutes left here but okay. What is uh, the ketogenic diet as far as burning ketones? How does that affect you mentally versus when you were on the sugar stuff? Was it more motivating, energy clearer? What do you notice? Yeah, so when I first went keto, it was after listening to Tim Ferriss interview Dr. Dominic D'Agostino on his podcast. And it was an amazing podcast if you haven't listened to it yet because it really opened opened up my eyes to just how much scientific research is being done on the keto diet outside of the weight loss industry. You know, there's so much other stuff, uh, therapeutic applications for the ketogenic diet. So I experimented with it. And the first 60 days, it was amazing because the, the two biggest things that I noticed was, one, my brain, I felt like if anyone's seen that movie Limitless with Bradley Cooper where he takes that clear pill and he, he becomes, you know, a genius overnight, that's how my brain felt for the first time in my life. It was like night and day, the mental clarity, the improvement in cognitive function, the focus, the energy my brain had all day long was like night and day, and that was the number one thing. The second thing was I went from eating, remember I I mentioned before, six small meals per day because I was of that mindset that, hey, your metabolism slows down if you don't feed every two hours, and that was what what was being taught in the fitness industry, and I kind of adopted that because it worked for me. I looked great on the outside, but I didn't know any different at that time. I didn't, you know, understand the ketogenic diet and how ketosis works, and so for me, being in ketosis for the first time, I wasn't a slave to food anymore. I could eat once or twice a day. My brain was optimal. My digestion was better. My performance in the gym was just as good, if not better. And I only had to eat once or twice a day. It was amazing because people think if you, you know, stop eating, you'll lose all your muscle mass. And that's a myth that people think happens when you switch over to keto is that you lose all your muscle. And um, that's obviously not true. (laughs) So (laughs) um, I just love not being a slave to food anymore. 
and experiencing that mental clarity. And so for me, that's why I love the ketogenic diet or intermittent fasting for those two reasons. Yeah, and this is Drew, Drew Manning we're talking with, and uh, we're talking about his, um, his journey, um, Fit to Fat to Fit, and he also has his television show that you can see on A&E, right? <laughs> Yep, yep, it's called Fit to Fat to Fit as well. Yeah, and uh, then his new book, which is an amazing book called Complete Keto. You can get it. I'll put it up here, even though it's probably backwards. Um, <laughs> and, um, you know, so one of the cool things that people may or may not understand is when you burn anything glucose-wise, which is from a French fry to, to um, steak, <laughs> it all burns like smoky pine wood in your fireplace. You have to contain it and has to have a chimney to get out. That stuff gets in our cells. It gets in our body. It causes inflammation in our body and it causes our, our hormones not to be optimized and it causes all kinds of problems. When you burn ketones, ketones are fat that burn like a, like a gas fireplace. They burn incredibly clean. So there's no waste and the cells don't end up with a bunch of toxins in there. And so you feel better. And also bad things don't grow in, when you burn ketones. Bad things yeah. love to burn glucose. So we really want to um, help people convert over to the, the other diet. Yeah. And I think that's what people love about the keto diet is they come for the weight loss. You know, they see these amazing transformations. Yeah. They want that for themselves, but then they stay because of how sharp their brain feels running off a different fuel source. I think that's what people love about it is the mental clarity, the improvement in cognitive function. Like you said, it's a cleaner energy source for our brains, our muscles, our organs, less inflammation in the body, better digestion because you're not having to digest seven meals a day or four meals a day. Right. Um, and so there's so many other, you know, therapeutic applications, health benefits other than weight loss and fat loss. Let that be a byproduct mm -hmm. of living this lifestyle over time. You know, focus on the, the medical health first and foremost and the process and the habits and the results will take care of themselves over time. So thanks for, uh, for having me on and, and uh, hopefully people enjoy this conversation. And I think at the end of the day is, this is what I tell people about the keto diet because that people can become religious about it is, um, you know, it works differently for different people, but you don't know until you try. You got to give it at least 30 days, do your research first, study on it, join a support group. And then from there, give it at least 30 days to see if it's right for you or not. Right. Thank you, Drew, very much. I really appreciate coming on. And I just got to tell the audience, what, Drew is like so approachable. When you talk to our group, you know, you just come up and you, you talk to anybody and you're, you're so willing to help. And that is just such an amazing thing because we got to help people, man. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. Well, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. All right. We'll see you soon. Okay, bye. See ya. All right, I just want to put out one more commercial for our... Okay. Uh, you, if you want to cut off, you can. Drew, thank you so much for coming. But I just want to remind okay. everybody that I'm doing my May 14th event um, at Severino's. That's going to be 7 o'clock this come, or Tuesday, the 14th. And we're going to be doing our workshop on... On all of the stuff Drew's talking about, mixed in with the intermittent fasting, ketogenic diet, diet variation, ancient healing strategies, and uh, cellular detoxification. So it's an amazing program, and you, you meet a lot of great people that are going to give some great success stories. So um, we really appreciate uh, anybody who wants to come, call my office, 831-459-9990, and or um, you can text start fasting all one word to 474747 and uh, get on Drew's site fittofattofit.com and see what he's got there he's uh, you know got a, a huge amount of resources there to help us so we're going to go out with this great song by Jimmy Cliff that says you can get it if you really want it and you just have to try and try and try thanks a lot you can get it if you really want you can get it if you really want but you must try try and try succeed at If you enjoyed this episode of McCollum Wellness Radio, please share it with a friend and tell them one helpful fact that you learned today. Remember, the best way to learn is to teach.